Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Ipswich History Podcast. I'm Caleb Howdigo, and in this episode, I'll be speaking to Pat Grimwade about Ipswich's connections with the Hanseatic League. The Hanseatic League was a confederation of merchant guilds that, at its height in the 1300s, dominated much of European trade, connecting ports from Germany, the Netherlands, Scandinavia, the Baltic, as well as a few in Britain, including Ipswich. Pat is a member of the Ipswich Maritime Trust, and in 2019 she put together a booklet on Hanseatic Ipswich to help uncover this part of the town's history, which is often overlooked. And she kindly agreed to record a conversation with me about it remotely on a video call during lockdown. Pat tells us about how Ipswich came to become a Hanseatic port, what kind of things were traded to and from Ipswich during that period, and what physical evidence remains of the town's Hanseatic connections today. So, I hope you enjoy the conversation and find it interesting. So to begin with, could you give us a short summary of what the Hanseatic League was? Well, the Hanseatic um, uh, merchants, they were really a powerful North European group of merchants who were very involved in very successful trade. Uh, First of all, in the Baltic, um, the sea to the north of Germany, going right up to Sweden, um, to Finland, and um, Baltic trade was almost completely in their hands. Uh, And then they got involved in trade in the North Sea uh, and down the coast of France. And then they went uh, north into Norway. So they traded uh, in Norway and even as far north as Iceland. Um, They um, began to realise that it was important to protect their own um, economic interests and uh, diplomatic interests and so they banded together in a fairly loose fairly informal way and developed their own legal systems and they hired mercenaries to um, protect their ships and um, they organized quite a a big um, group which uh, then got involved in um, organising a parliament. Um, The first parliament of the Hanseatic League took place in Lübeck in North Germany in 1358. Then trade was developed and um, trade with England developed very much during the um, 13th, 14th centuries and they therefore wanted to get as uh, deeply involved in uh, trade with England as they could. So was England a bit of a latecomer to this then? Was it, was it a bit late to the party? I guess. I, I mean, I, I can't say I know all the reasons for that, but they very much were a group that was based in northern Germany, northern Europe, not really... Um, uh, in England at all, and they were never, but they were never state controlled. So I suppose they organised things according to what they saw as being their own interests. And of course, England, I, I think I'd say, had a very well developed system of government of 
obviously the city of London, very important and powerful by the, the, the 14th century. And um, boroughs such as Ipswich and uh, others um, were actually extremely um, uh, sophisticated by then in their government and the, their, the, the way they ran things. So um, perhaps it was um, a, a different system in, in, in Britain. But the Hansards, as one might call them, were obviously very keen to um, uh, get involved in uh, trade with England as much as they could, especially when the wool trade became so, so important and valuable to them. The, the Hansards um, uh, developed um, their own um, um, headquarters in certain ports in, um, uh, in England, uh, particularly London, uh, but others were at Ipswich, Kings Lynn, Boston, uh, Kingston-upon-Hull, as it was called then, uh, and uh, York, Newcastle. Um, those East Coast, Coast ports. Okay, so Ipswich was one of the trading posts, if you like, for the League. And it was only, it was really the only one, it seems, in this area in Suffolk. And I mean, it doesn't sound like there was any in Essex either by the sounds of it. So why was Ipswich chosen? Do we know that? Well, I don't know whether it was so much chosen as a matter of um, geography uh, as, as much as anything. Ipswich on uh, at the head of a, a, a long 10 mile estuary, um, the River Orwell, is uh, a reasonably deep water channel, though it was quite twisty back in those days. It's been, been um, straightened out a great deal since then, dredged for much larger ships. But if you think about it, um, the Essex and the Suffolk coast actually are quite low-lying coasts um, with not many deep water rivers and some very difficult estuaries. There were smaller ports like um, Malden um, and Colchester also was a port, but um, not quite such a deep water river. And Ipswich had also a history of a very long history as a port, um, being the oldest port in England, probably trading since the sixth, the 7th century, since 600. So it had a long history and also as a centre for shipbuilding, a very important centre. So it probably made a lot of sense to use Ipswich. Uh, quite a sheltered harbour as well, quite reasonably deep water. Whereas going to London, actually, the, um, um, the route to London through the Thames estuary and right up the Thames uh, to ships that could only really be controlled by, by sail um, was very, very twisty and, and it took a long time. So Ipswich was a shorter, more direct journey from Europe, um, straight across from, from Holland, of course, um, from places like um, Dordrecht and Middleburg was a very important um okay well let's, let's come on to that then because as you're raising some of the um the places that we that ipswich was trading with at the time so what kind of things was ipswich exporting and importing and where to and from so we know that in the 14th century 
One of the most important exports, of course, was wool from the wool villages and towns in uh, the east of England. And Ipswich was a sort of natural centre for, for export of that. Wool, also we exported hides and skins. Um, it rather amused me to, to, to read that we, we exported cat calf and rabbit skins but, um, you know they no doubt everything had its use everything was was uh, used for something um, some dairy products um, fish also and uh, in the late 14th century we imported wine and it's fascinating to uh, realize that we imported um, as much in value of wine as we exported in wool. Um, <laughs> it's £4,000 uh, per year. So who was the wine for? I mean, well, maybe a lot of people were drinking around Ipswich, but there happened to be a very big abbey at Bury St Edmunds, and um, a lot of the wine went there. Um, and there were, you know, obviously various big landowners and uh, there were a lot of taverns and so on in the town so wine was incredibly important mostly wine from germany and from bordeaux as well we imported dyes dyes were incredibly important expensive uh, for dyeing wool to make the cloth uh, which we you know, that later uh, exported in, in big quantities to Europe. Dyes, and, and um, to make the dyes, um, there was um, woad and lichens to make blue and green dye. They were imported from France and Germany. Um, also, we imported salt, always, um, of course, when you... Couldn't, couldn't refrigerate, salt was absolutely vital to preserve um, meat and, uh, and food of every sort. So that was very, very valuable, uh, um, important and expensive import. Grain, stone, uh, furs, obviously more wealthy people probably used furs and they were important for clothing in the winter, and timber then and of course Ipswich still imports timber now so that trade has just gone on for all those centuries. So in your booklet you write about the merchant guild in Ipswich being really keen for foreign traders to buy a house in the town. What was the thinking behind this because it's quite an interesting thing to read in there. Yes yes um, it's, I, I, it's fascinating to realise um, I'll, I'll just go back slightly to that I mentioned um, the, the quite sophisticated um, system of government that was in place by the time the Hanseatic League were trading. Um, and Ipswich um, had uh, a charter from, um, um, from King John in the year 1200, which is nice and easy to remember. But um, that opened, really opened the way to Ipswich establish, uh, establishing itself as a borough. Um, obviously, they organised quite quickly um, a, a way of um, ruling and keeping order. They had um, bailiffs and um, various officials 
they created port men to run the port. They created a number of um, uh, local worthy people involved in business and so on as burgesses. Um, and obviously they were drawn into uh, being involved in the administration and the sort of rule of the, the town or the borough. And um, I, I, I get the sense that um, actually um, sort of good government in, in Ipswich was considered very important. A little sideline is I was fascinated to read that uh, there were two officials appointed uh, whose duty it was to oversee the import of food into any food coming into Ipswich to ensure that it, it was of good quality and healthy for the people to be able to consume. I mean, that was regulated even back then. So they um, obviously decided that um, it would be important to kind of reel in perhaps the um, Hanseatic merchants who were coming to Ipswich, uh, who were hoping to load up with uh, various goods, the wool and so on, um, maybe to uh, uh, drive down to get um, good prices. So they um, wanted to uh, involve them rather than antagonise them. So. Um, it seems that they um, drew up certain requirements and regulations um, about how the Hanseatic merchants traded, how their uh, goods had to be openly offered for sale, agreed bargains had to be recorded in writing in front of the bailiffs. There were, there were rules like that. And um, then there were certain ordinances which uh, said that um, they were asked to become householders for a year and a day, if possible. This was um, obviously um, promoted as a good thing. And so it did end up that, that quite a lot of the Hanseatic merchants did take houses uh, or, or buy houses or became householders for a period. So it seemed to, to um, somehow be designed to uh, promote uh, good it's trade. The local economy, I suppose, doesn't it? Yes, yes, yes. One of the other things that I found really interesting that you mentioned in your booklet that you've, you've put together um, is about the boats or the cogs um, that were used by the Hanseatic League to transport the cargo. So could you first of all tell us a little bit about what these boats would have looked like? Well, they would have looked like um, a sailing, sailing um, boats, small cargo vessels made of wood. They'd have had one mast in the middle and one sail. So um, they could sail probably best with the wind straight behind them. They were fairly deep but had a flat bottom so that they could easily sail into shallow water. The place to see them, the um, interesting um, um, link with the cog, um, they were somewhere built in Ipswich, um, they were by the river back in the 14th century. 
you see it on the seal, the great seal of Ipswich. Yeah, it's the idea that, um, well, I'll let you explain, but the, the sort of links with the seal and other, uh, other towns and cities on the continent as well, it seems. Yes, yes, yes. Well, the seal of Ipswich dates from 1200 and it's kept in the town hall. Um, what you see is, of course, the, the obverse side and not the side where, where the, the, the imprint is on the wax. So it's a backwards um, picture you get. Um, but it says it's from 1200 and it clearly says the seal of Ipswich, Gippiswick. And the cog is there, um, and it has, it's quite simple. They didn't have much protection. They didn't have exactly a cabin or anything, but they had a little kind of hut uh, at the back of the ship, at the stern. You can see that. And they had a little kind of um, um, platform at the front as for a lookout, one would imagine. And uh, there's a lovely uh, pennant flying in the wind at the top of the mast. And there are two little men and they've both got rather nice little beanie hats on. And uh, they're um, uh, sailing, sailing uh, merrily along. Um, but Ipswich's seal dates from 1200. And we were trading with ports in the Baltic, um, Eastern Europe. But um, it's interesting to note that um, other seals are very similar, but later. So there's a seal in my booklet. I, I mentioned I, there's a picture of the seal of um, Danzig, or what's now known as Gdansk on the northern coast of Poland. Um, very similar. It's uh, a, a cog. It hasn't got a sail, the, the Danzig one, and it hasn't obviously any people on board, but it's a very similar boat. And that dates from 199 years later than the Ipswich seal. Um, and another one from another um, uh, North German port, Elbing, dates from 1350. So um, the Ipswich seal is very early. Just for listeners, it is incredibly similar. Like they are, like it, it, like it seems to me that it can't be coincidental. They, they seem to really influence each other or be connected in some way. Yes, they do. They do. There's a lo another little, another little sideline is that in the town hall in Ipswich, there is a second seal which um, is rather delightful. It's based on the um, main um, seal of 1200 it's a later one and it's called the wool seal and it's the same actually with the cog on it but um, uh, near the bottom uh, they've added a, a lovely little woolly sheep and um, he's very sweet and uh, it's a delightful little kind of um, extra historical artifact but that was obviously what was used on the um, uh, documentation for the wool trading from the custom house. So is there any physical evidence of the Hanseatic League's presence in the town still today? Like, is there any buildings or anything like that still? That's the, the difficult um, part of the topic. Um, because Ipswich is recorded quite definitely as uh, being a Hanseatic port 
um, an important court. It was a head port, which means that it had jurisdiction over other smaller ports in the area, and it had jurisdiction over Harwich, um, Dunwich, Malden, and Colchester. So it was important, and it certainly did have a warehouse or Hanseatic contour, as it was called in the, the um, uh, European word. And that is um, recorded quite clearly. Um, but the question is, the contour, contour, we don't have any physical evidence of it anymore. The reason really is that most evidence of um, medieval buildings and, um, and uh, layout of the port uh, were completely altered when reconstruction of the dock took place in the 1830s because there was huge change in Ipswich towards um, manufacturing. Uh, it became a very big port. It was the biggest wet dock in, in Europe for a very short time. So a lot was lost and obliterated. But um, having said that, there are a very few remnants of the oldest buildings. And one of the most important medieval buildings we've still got is the, what now is Isaac's, the music bar on the waterfront. Uh, and that, as anyone can see, is obviously a very well, beautifully preserved medieval building and it had the, um, the, the medieval layout uh, with the warehouses that backed onto the waterfront and of course going right through to 4th Street where there is um, a, the house and um, archway where wagons would enter. Um, that is still there on 4th Street and that would have been where the, the um, trading would have been done over the counter, the office part. And that is still there and that um, building dates from, has been dated, um, the, the wooden beams have been dated at um, early 15th century. Um, so that is still there. And of course, in Fourth Street, there is a wonderful range of um, um, merchants' houses, including the Neptune Inn, as it's now called, but uh, it was uh, uh, a merchant's house and would have had a warehouse uh, reaching back, right back to the river. And um, it is archaeology suggests that it possibly had a um, warehouse and a, a, a built, uh, excavated channel where small boats could off be um, offloaded from the cog and then uh, be rowed up to the warehouse alongside and so on. And that's a very fine building. So Four Street has some very fine merchants' houses. The other big question is about where the contour, where Hanseatic Warehouse was. Um, and I um, was able to make a, an interesting discovery about um, the existence of the um, warehouse. Um, another word, the English word for the Hanseatic Warehouse is the steel yard. And um, there was a very prominent Ipswich merchant called William Sabin, 
who in who lived in the parish of St Mary Key, and in his will he uh, mentions um, he had a lot of properties, but his main house was called the Steel Yard, and it was a little way back from the river frontage as we have it now, but um, near the Blackfriars which of course was ruined in the dissolution of the monasteries uh, but it was um, uh, just before that um, it it probably had been the steel yard and then was taken over as a, a, a house by this man so that is recorded and uh, by one or two um, 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 academics who um, know more than I do about the subject they seem to think that that is um, uh, very likely to, to be the, the, the place. There were other warehouses uh, also that were demolished, sadly, not until late 19th century. And even there was one called Smarts Warehouses that I think were not finally demolished till 1954. So there's now the new Hansa, and Ipswich was admitted in 2017 based on its historic connections to the League. Um, so what does this regained status mean for the town today? The new Hansa, um, as it's called, the website is www.hansa.org. It's quite an impressive website and it takes you uh, to a large number. It's about 180 European cities that have been connected in the past to the Hanseatic League or who wish to now get a membership of uh, an organisation that um, really uh, is based on reviving the ideas and spirit of the cross-border concept of, of the old Hanseatic League. So its, um, its uh, aim is really to increase people's awareness of the Hanseatic history of our town and of other cities and cities uh, in, in Europe as well, which have a common, in many ways, common um, uh, historic heritage. And these are cities such as uh, Bruges, uh, Lübeck and other, other North um, German cities and interestingly Bergen in um, Norway, Stockholm as well. And the um, part of the role of the new Hansa is to do with uh, promotion and tourism. So it gives a platform for place uh, such as Ipswich to promote itself it has you know then there are links with all of these cities and uh, there's also a youth hands uh, section uh, the other uh, important uh, aim is um, for economic cooperation and of course there is economic cooperation um, very much in the sense that Ipswich is a very active port of course uh, we still import the wood um, from the Baltic. The ship comes every fortnight. And I know that Kings Lynn has uh, activated quite a lot of economic um, development uh, using the links that uh, have been created through the, the new Hansa.
So um, it's uh, in some ways uh, something rather festive. And uh, I think there, there are Hansa days and Hansa celebrations. And um, there can be quite a lot of dressing up involved and uh, old ships and so on. So an idea perhaps for a maritime festival in Ipswich. That's it for this episode of the podcast. If you enjoyed it, please leave a rating or review on whatever platform you're listening on. Or if you could recommend it to a friend, that would be really appreciated. The podcast artwork is by Kelly Wadsworth and the music is by me, Caleb Howdy Go. And thank you very much for listening. Thank you.